You're listening to the On the Go with VAO News Podcast for the week ending June 26, 2015. Welcome back to our Friday recap of the week's top acquisition news. I'm Bill Olver, senior news writer for VAO's Daily Acquisition News. And I'm Bill's colleague, content developer, and fellow news writer, Derek Curran. Hello, everyone. As usual, we're going to begin with a brief overview of some of the week's significant headlines. Then Bill and I will dive into a discussion of a closer look at a hot topic or an intriguing trend that has caught our eye while we covered this week's acquisition developments. Well, we're going to start with some headlines first. Uh, DOD is close to releasing new guidance on services contracting. This will come out as new DOD Instruction 5000AC, which will introduce a tiered approach for service contract approvals. Contracts valued at $1 billion or more will require approval from DOD's chief acquisition executive or a service department equivalent, and contracts valued at lesser amounts would be approved at lower levels of leadership depending on contract value. According to DOD, the goal is to provide lower-level officials more latitude to award and manage their service contracts, and we'll be keeping an eye out for the official release of that guidance. The GSA has launched a new web platform for conducting market research and for sharing best practices. The new eBuy Open tool helps buyers search open, closed, and canceled eBuy requests for quotes from fiscal year 2014 forward. Now, this will give users a look into which agencies are buying what products and services from GSA schedules. The tool is available through GSA's Acquisition Gateway website. The Government Accountability Office this week released a report examining the U.S. Department of Agriculture Farm Service Agency's canceled Modernize and Innovate the Delivery of Agricultural Systems, or MIDAS, program. FSA halted MIDAS as a result of cost overruns, schedule delays, and significantly reduced functionality compared to the original baseline. GAO identified some management shortfalls that had contributed to the problems with the program, including not adequately developing and managing requirements, uh, managing product plan changes and conducting meaningful progress reporting, executing critical tests before the system became operational, and implementing effective executive-level governance to prevent MIDAS from falling short of expectations. GAO also cautioned that the agency hasn't developed plans gleaning these lessons learned to improve future programs. So they recommended that FSA establish a plan for adopting and using those best practices. The Department of Veterans Affairs is taking some corrective actions after the VA Inspector General found the department had transferred fiscal year 2011 annual funds to the government printing office but failed to use those funds in the year for which they were appropriated. OIG specifically found that VA had parked $43 million designated for the production of handbooks at GPO for an excessively long period and found that some of the funds had been wasted or used for other than the intended purpose. OIG attributed this to poor oversight, not wrongdoing, and recommended that VA take steps to account for the funds and review its fiscal controls to ensure it does not reoccur. The Department of Transportation Inspector General says DOT needs more guidance for buying and assessing cloud systems. For example, DOT has not yet updated its guidance on contracting for IT services to include requirements for specific contract clauses needed for cloud services, covering areas like data integrity, availability, and confidentiality. The department also lacks procedures for assessing the cost and benefits of cloud systems, which makes it harder to determine whether those services are helping DOT save money or improve service. 
OIG recommends that DOT develop this relevant guidance and contract clauses and take other actions to improve how it manages cloud purchases. We also had a few announcements from the Department of Energy this week. First up, DOE announced a new blanket purchase agreement for buying, leasing, and repairing multifunctional devices, such as multifunction printers, scanners, and copiers. DOE headquarters and field offices can use this for their requirements, and DOE contractors also may access the BPA with their contracting officer's approval. DOE also has issued policy mandating use of the Strategic Integrated Procurement Enterprise System, or STRIPES, for all department unclassified solicitations and contracts or financial assistance awards, and as the sole system of record for maintaining official contract files. The policy also establishes new procedures for submitting clause and template changes to STRIPES. This policy applies to all solicitations and contracts or financial assistance awards processed in STRIPES after June 11, 2015, but does not apply to the National Nuclear Security Administration. The Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration recently completed an assessment of whether the Internal Revenue Service had effective processes in place to prevent the award of contracts to corporations with federal tax debt or felony convictions. Slightly ironically, Tigta found that IRS could beef up those controls a bit. Uh, investigators found that the agency awarded 57 contracts, which together were valued at $18.8 million, that went to 17 corporations that had federal tax debt. Perhaps a little bit more worryingly, reviewers noted that IRS contracting officers failed to follow Department of Treasury guidance, which requires corporations to self-certify whether they have tax or felony convictions for 94% of all the contracts they awarded in fiscal years 2012 and 2013. So that was pretty prevalent uh, finding there. TIGTA recommended that IRS insurance procurement policies and procedures reflect Treasury requirements and go ahead and obtain all of those contractor self-certifications prior to contract award. They also said go ahead and publish in all solicitations the fact that they are going to be requiring those certifications to be submitted. We have a new administrator for the Transportation Security Administration. Earlier this week, the Senate confirmed Coast Guard Vice Admiral Peter Neffinger to head TSA. He is a 30-year Coast Guard veteran and will succeed Melvin Carraway, who served as acting TSA administrator since December. Uh, the Air Force hosted an industry day to test a new acquisition process that leverages open architecture. Now, open architecture is a way to design computer hardware or software so that it's easy to add, upgrade, or swap out components. Uh, for example, think of how easy it is to plug a USB device into your computer uh, compared to not long ago when devices were more specific to the computer system. Uh, for the event, the Air Force invited vendors to plug in their products to an existing system that uses open architecture to test whether the contractor system works with the military system and to demonstrate capabilities to Air Force officials. Uh, during this recent event, vendors were invited to connect their products to the Air Force's Distributed Common Ground Station Trainer, and that's the service's primary intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance data system. This process also should reduce contracting timeframes, uh, possibly from a matter of years to months or even weeks. And the Air Force is working on a permanent acquisition vehicle to allow for these kind of purchases. I love that idea, although it sounds a little worrisome. Come and come and plug your you know USB drive into our primary intelligence. <laughs> a little. I, I, now, now, I, I will say it's probably a little more complex than that. Uh, but yes, no, it's 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 actually I it is a great idea because it's it's open architecture, so it's you know they they know how to. Hopefully, they know how to interoperate, right? They know how to communicate with each other. So it's just, does it plug in? Does it work? What does it do? 
Um, and it saves a lot of time and money. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's you know, kind of a... Drive. I love it. I always think, I always picture it yeah. with Legos, like a little open architecture. Right. I figure it like a little Lego-like platform. Anyway, all right, continue. What else do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, last up, uh, last up this week, we have two final rules from the Department of Defense amending the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement. Well, there are actually five rules issued this week. Uh, two are worth pointing out. The others are a little more editorial and technical in nature. Now, this first rule revises DFAR subpart 216.3 and as a new clause at 252.216 to implement Section 827 of the Fiscal Year 2013 National Defense Authorization Act. Now, that provision amended the allowability of legal costs incurred by a contractor related to whistleblower proceedings. The new clause uh, makes the revised whistleblower cost principle applicable to any task orders issued against contracts awarded prior to the effective date of this regulation and to any contracts modified to implement Section 827. Unless the terms of the contract state otherwise, FAR 52.216-7 states that costs are determined to be allowable in accordance with FAR subpart 31.2 in effect on the date of the contract award. That is a tongue twister. <laughs> yes. Also, yes. <laughs> also, also effective today, one final rule amends the DFARS to adjust acquisition-related dollar thresholds for inflation. Now, our listeners may remember that back in November, we had a proposed rule outlining the changes that would be made to these acquisition thresholds. Now, there were no changes between that proposed rule and the final rule, but some of the thresholds in the final rule are lower than proposed uh, due to lower inflation than was projected at the time of publication of the proposed rule. Now, there are no- <laughs> yes, well, uh, now there are a number of acquisition thresholds affected, uh, so our defense listeners may want to give that rule a closer look. Yeah, frankly, I think our listeners are going to want to refer back to your whistleblower <laughs> legal costs being recouped as well that I, whoo, yeah, anyway, my eyes were crossing listening to you there. So anyway, now, Bill, okay, so you, you covered this. Let's discuss this. I noticed the House Small Business Committee had a hearing this week, and it was about airing concerns about the General Services Administration's proposal on collecting transactional data. So... First off, I'm going to say I'm a little bit prejudiced. Uh, you know, I am always it, it seems to me that with procurement professionals, you know, in all of the federal agencies out there, everybody is juggling tight timelines, tighter budgets, uh, an enormous host of regulations they need to comply with. So as valuable as industry partners can be, I mean, which, you know, we are as well. But, you know, leaving aside the issue of adding to burdens for small businesses with complying with, you know, a number of federal hoops, it 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 raises my hackles when industry starts complaining and moaning about when, you know, the administration will come out with what seems like a good idea. And and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you know, and there's much hand wringing. And so, all right, what is the complaint about GSA collecting transactional data? Tell me. Um, well, we've heard this before. We have discussed this before a little bit. Um, now, I, I will admit I am I am biased in favor of data. I mean, I, any, anything that gives contracting officers more information to make good decisions is a good idea in my They're book. Right? Yes. Um, so, in this case, um, one of the uh, witnesses at the hearing was Roger Waldron, and he's president of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And you know, he, he addressed he addressed some concerns uh, that you know members of his organization have, and suggested that there's easier ways of doing this, easier and less expensive, less intrusive ways of collecting this data. Um, so let's go through some of the 
we'll go through some of the uh, the objections. Um, first is that it really could hinder hinder competition and hinder the actual overall goal of lowering prices. Yeah. Whereas Walter suggested that GSA might get some short term gains, um, you know, some short term price savings, but in the long term, it really might just push out or prevent smaller innovative companies from competing in the federal marketplace. They might look at all these reporting burns they might, and on top of everything else and just say, eh, why yeah, bother? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, and that's, that goes really against a lot of, um, you know, a lot of what we're hearing with, with some of these IT uh, initiatives, you know, things like the digital service and 18F where, they're trying to lower burdens. They're trying to make it easier for companies, you know, these small innovative firms uh, to compete. And so this would be, you know, kind of contravene that that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as we've as we've discussed previously, the, it, this is very expensive to implement. Um, you know, members of the coalition um, estimated in total some eight hundred million dollars in uh, you know in new computer systems and time and resources. Um, to implement this rule, which might not even be a permanent thing, it might just be might not work out. Um, so that was that was another objection. Mm, and those costs, um, of course, passed on to the yeah. right. So right. that's yeah. Right. Some right that results in raised prices. Mm-hmm. Um, they also expressed some concern um, about how GSA would protect this data. Um, this is a lot of proprietary oh. information. Oh yes. So that's a that's uh, certainly a very uh, topical thing timely. right now, isn't it? Yes. Right. That's golly. very that's a very timely 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 concern. Um, you know, who will have access to the information? I mean, the, apparently it would be contracting officers all across government, right? And you know, how will it be managed? How will it be protected from being disclosed? So that that's a concern. Um, and again, another another concern that they, we've talked about before, um, Waldron raised. Um, yeah, this information is available. Government couldn't be collecting this information from invoices. Boom, it's right there. Um, it, and it's just really the fact that government systems don't really talk to each other very that's well. That's uh, the problem we yeah, always come back know. to. <laughs> yes. You know, someday, like twenty years in the future, all of the systems will actually like be compatible, and then I mean, can you imagine? Boy, my gosh, I don't know right. what we'll talk about then. Um, I know. So <laughs> we just need the one ring. To <laughs> and yeah, you know, he also suggested that some of this information could really be obtained through market research. Right, go out to Amazon, do your thing. Or to you know sites like bizrate.com that compare prices for these are for obviously for commercial items, not for very for complex services or for complex right. things. But for, for commercial items, it, it's very easy to go out and just see what a, what a general cost range is going to be. So that was um, yeah. So he had some interesting you know he had, he had some valid concerns. I think I think the cost issue is is a um, is pretty valid. I mean, it's, it seems like it's going to be very expensive to implement, especially compared to GSA's estimate. I mean, GSA was estimating significantly lower amount of compliance requirements there as far as the cost and resources um, than industry estimates. Um, so they, the coalition did make a couple of recommendations. They recommended that GSA, during contract negotiations, uh, compare offered prices 
for identical products to existing contract prices and to reject offers offers that are outliers. Um, they suggested that GSA assure that offers are authorized resellers, which would eliminate gray market and counterfeit items, uh, which are usually priced much, much lower than your actual good stuff and also probably faulty and cruddy, and you don't want them in your supply chain anyway. Um, GSA also should encourage its contractors to update their GSA Advantage pricing and remove products that may not be offered for sale any longer. And also GSA should increase training so that customer agencies are meeting the competition requirements required under FAR 8.4. And they should also maybe conduct a pilot test for uh, collecting data internally through their um, existing data points, things like invoices and things like that. Mm -hmm. What can be automated without passing that on to the contractors? That's, yeah, that's certainly a good good starting point. I'll concede that. Right, right. And the government's going to collect this information they need to do some of this stuff. I mean, there's going to, there's compliance, you know, costs on the government side as well mm-hmm. to to bring this information in and actually use it. Mm-hmm. So it's a you know valid point. Yeah, no, definitely. I, and you know, I, it definitely makes me think as well. Of, you know, when we see additional reporting requirements come out that have to be complied with internally at federal agencies, that is always a factor that they look at. Where can we pull this? You know, can we yank it off the of FPDS? But the data is only as good as what people are putting in there, you know, and so that's, you know, right. both sides have to kind of meet in the middle on that, keeping things up to date and, and, and whatever. So, all right. Well, he does make some good points there. And, uh, $800 million. Oh, my gosh. That's it was, it was, it, yeah. GSA. I think GSA's I think GSA's estimate was like 50. It oh, was right. like, it was, they were so far apart. It was, I mean, I. Yeah, it's probably in the middle. I would, yes. I, I would yes. think there both, might be some exaggerations there. Sides, yes, so. but yeah, it was significant uh, discrepancy in the estimates. All right, people. Well, that is it for myself and Bill this week. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. You can find links to the headlines that we recapped for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded the podcast. And you could also comment on it. We would love to have your feedback on the format or the content that we've covered. Anything else you'd like to tell us. Now, next week, we'll have uh, no podcast due to the observance of the July 4th holiday. So, everyone, please enjoy your 4th of July. We'll be back on July 10th with our next weekly news recap. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.